If you have your Bibles, you can turn to Exodus chapter 14. We've been uh, diving through this uh, account of um, the people of God, following God, fighting with God, surrendering themselves to God, realizing that God is at work and he's at work in the lives of his people and he's guiding them, directing them, and at the same time working out situations that are going to bring them face to face with the reality of their own faith, the reality of, of even their lack of faith. And, and so as we've been uh, diving through this and looking at uh, these Red Sea rules and, and understanding again that these are, are principles that we can apply in our lives, that as the people of God, we see them in Exodus 14 wrestling with these things and working through these things. We too can be wrestling with these, working through these, realizing that God wants to work in our lives and desires to work in our lives, desires to show us himself, desires to teach us things that we need to be taught and desires to call us to things that are far beyond what we can even begin to think or even imagine. And so as we're looking at Exodus 14, verse 10 uh, reminds us about what God has been doing in the heart of Pharaoh and what Pharaoh's decision in re- rejecting God and, uh, and, then, and then wanting to go and, and really change his mind about the people of God that he is allowed to leave. Um, and, and so in verse 10, it says, When Pharaoh drew near, the people of Israel lifted up their eyes, and behold, the Egyptians were marching after them, and they feared greatly. Like we talked about last week, it's imperative for us to acknowledge our enemy, to recognize that, that there is an enemy that is wanting to destroy our lives. The people of God saw that. They realized that Pharaoh had great power and obviously had a great army. The, the Bible tells us that, that there were hundreds, if not thousands, of chariots and people that are these, these uh, again, soldiers that are going after the people of God, and they recognized that, and as a result, feared greatly. So they, they acknowledged that they had an enemy. We need to acknowledge that we have an enemy. His name is Satan. His desire is to destroy us. His desire is to not just ruin your life. His desire is to destroy your life. And the way that he'll destroy your life is to get you to question the reality of who God is and what God has said. And he'll get you to be ensnared in sin. What is sin? It's disobedience to God. And his desire is, is, is to rip apart your life, to destroy your life with sin. And the result of sin is separation from God. So if Satan can get you to question God and to doubt God and to not even believe that there is a God and somehow believe that the sin that you're living in is okay, then he has got you in a place where the Bible says you're ensnared, in other words, trapped in sin. But the good news is that's not where God wants you to stay. And God has provided a way for you to have forgiveness of sin. God has provided for you a way to have a, a, be able to overcome the enemy. And it's not not by your strength. It's not by your power. It's not by what you can do. It's by what Jesus Christ has done for you. And he gave his life so that you can have life, so you can have forgiveness of sin, and so that you can know eternal life 
and, and, and have confidence in that and trust in God. The people feared greatly. Why? Honestly, I think part of it is because, like us, we give way too much credit to the enemy. Yes, we need to acknowledge our enemy, but as the second half of that rule we stated last week is, we need to keep our eyes on the Lord. The Lord is in control. Satan is a defeated foe. Pharaoh is a defeated foe. He doesn't realize it yet, but he's defeated. Why? Because God is on the side of his people, and if God is for us, who can be against us? He's defeated. And and at the same time, we need to realize that God is the one who gives us the strength to say no to the temptations of Satan, to the different things that Satan throws our way to try to trip us up, to try to ensnare us in sin. God gives us the strength to say no. And, And the Bible makes it clear with every temptation, he makes a way out of it for us to stand up under it. The question is not whether or not God will help us. The question or not is whether or not we'll accept his help, whether or not we'll accept that way out and be willing to do what God calls us to do. The people of God have been following God to this point, but they're about to turn that into fighting. They even, in this very first verse here, verse 10, the people of Israel cry out to the Lord. That's, that's a great thing. The problem is, is that they cry out in fear, not in faith. Why, why do we know that? Because of the very next things they do. The very next thing that they do is they say to Moses, is it because there are no graves in Egypt? What, what, they're, what they're doing is they're complaining to Moses. And, and as a direct, really a direct link to God, they're complaining they're whining about their what they're going through. They're upset about what they're going through because they, they've been following God. God has been providing a way. God has been leading them. But all of a sudden, they, the enemy is closing in. Things are beginning to change, and they're realizing that, that something has got to give. And we're, but otherwise, we're dead out here. And so what's happening? Fear is creeping in. Uh, other things are beginning to creep in, doubts creeping in, assuming that making assumptions is creeping in. There's all kinds of things that are happening that, that, that are keeping the people from really, by faith, looking to God. See, that's God's desire. God's desire is, is that he would reveal himself to us. That's part of the reason why we've been looking at and, and, and having you guys memorize verses Because as we memorize scripture, the Bible tells us that if we hide God's word in our heart, it will help us to not sin if we choose to to put it into action. I mean, it's also the way that Jesus fought against his enemy, Satan, when he was tempted in the wilderness. And so we have some memory verses, and, and what I'd like you to do is say them with me. We'll say the reference first, and then we'll say the verse out loud. So I want you guys out loud to say this, all right? Uh, so here we go. Psalm 46, 1. Y- y'all with me? Here we go. God is our refuge and strength, an ever-present help in trouble. All right, that's verse 1. Verse 2, Luke 18, verse 27. But Jesus said, what is impossible with man is possible with God. John 16, 33. 
I have said these things to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. And then our fourth one, James 4, 7 through 8. Submit yourselves therefore to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. What do we need to keep in mind as we think of these verses? And that is this, that God has carried you this far. Why would he drop you now? He's not about to do that. He's going to take care of you. And the people of God have been watching God as he's been leading them. And by a pillar of, of cloud and a pillar of fire at night, they've been seeing the power of God on display. And yet in this moment, it's like all of that just disappears. Yes, they acknowledge their enemy, but they weren't keeping their eyes on the Lord. And so the last week, what we challenged you with is said, draw near to him and he will draw near to you. How are you doing at that? This past week, when maybe you got a phone call or maybe you got news from something or whatever, how are you doing at drawing near to God? Are you spending time with God? Are you talking to God? Are you listening to God? Are you allowing yourself to grow in your love for God? How are you doing at keeping your eyes on the Lord? Again, Satan's desire is to distract you. Satan's de desire is to destroy you. Satan's desire is to get your eyes off the Lord and onto the problems of your life and onto everything else around you so that you won't turn to him, to God, and let God reign and rule in your life. And so what does Moses do in reaction to all this? When we read the Bible, it's so important that you remember that the characters, this individual Moses, didn't have the rest of the book of Exodus to read. Do you understand what I'm saying? Like, it, it, he, didn't, he couldn't pull out Exodus and go, oh, this is what God's going to do. No, we read it, and a lot of times we downplay the, the amazing impact of what's about to happen here. And, and we downplay it, and we sort of just make it sound like it's, oh, not that big a deal. Moses didn't have a clue what was going to happen. What he did know is Pharaoh and his army are coming. What he did know is I serve a really, really big God who's done some really awesome stuff, and I've got to see it, and I've got to be a part of it. And what he does know is I know I can pray and talk to God. And so this is rule number four, and it's so vital for our lives that, that when we're facing these struggles, when we're facing our enemy, rule number four is pray. Pray. And so what does Moses do? Verse 13, Moses said to the people, fear not, stand firm, and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will work for you today. For the Egyptians who you see today, you shall never see again. The Lord will fight for you. You have only to be silent. Two phrases. Stand firm. Be silent. Th these things are not passive action. These are very much 
they're very much intentional action. They're very much, there's something that needs to be done. And I believe what Moses is calling them to is to talk to, go to, look to God. How do we do that? How, how do we look to God? How do we go to God? We do that in prayer. We do that in prayer. And so often the thing that we don't do is we don't pray. What we end up doing very naturally is like the people of God, we fear or we get anxious, worried, or we start to make assumptions. And, and here's one of the, the problems with that is that is that as we do those things, we even, we even can allow impatience to grow in our heart. And, and I don't know about any of you, um, I'm not the most patient person. Any of you all struggle with patience? Any honesty out there? Okay, a few of y'all. Um, I have struggled with this ever since I was a little kid. Um, I, I, I know I've told you guys this before, I'll tell you it again, but my dad used to always sing to me a song that I still remember and uh, echoes through my mind, and I still don't like it. And that's have patience, have patience, don't be in such a hurry. When you get impatient, you only start to worry. Remember, remember that God is patient too. Oh my gosh, I can go on and on. Someone even after the first service said they texted me and they put that into their song list on on. Spotify. I was like, dude, what's wrong with you? Um, but anyways, uh, that song goes through my mind. Why? Because I'm not a patient person. And so when I'm not a patient person, what ends up happening is I end up jumping into things that I shouldn't be in, jumping into. And when we make, when we're impatient or we make assumptions, one of the downfalls that we, we have when we make assumptions is that we take assumptions and we turn them into facts. They're not facts. Most of the time, the assumptions that you make are not true at all. So don't let assumptions become fact. And so what we do is we, we lean on our own understanding. We lean on ourselves. And that's always a problem. Because we're, 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 we're human. And we make mistakes. And, and we're... we're I mean, honestly, uh, at our very root core, we're, we're not, we, we are not good. We're evil. And, and, uh, and so we're, we're going to, if we're going to, that's why Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 says, trust the Lord with all your heart, lean not on your own understanding. You and I are not God. And, and so we need to look to God. We need to turn to God. We need to keep our eyes fixed on God. How do we do that? Rule number four, we pray. See, what, what, if, what if prayer became our first response instead of our last resort? What, what if prayer became our first response instead of our last resort? What if prayer became the greatest thing that I can do and not just a side action that I can do. Like, like you ever have a conversation with somebody and you're, you know, you're, they're in something and, and you're like, hey, if I can help you in any way, let me know what I can do. But I'll, I'll pray for you. We make it sound like it's some side dish that we can serve to other people. 
what if prayer is the greatest thing that we can do because we're praying to the greatest one who can do the greatest good about what we're praying about? What, what if prayer became our first response instead of our last resort? And I believe Moses is directing the people here. And yes, he could have gone along with them and started complaining to God. But instead he says, no, no, stand firm, fear not, stand firm. See the salvation of the Lord. The Lord will fight for you. You have only to be silent. Pray. Seek his face. Let him be the one to guide and direct. And, and the beauty of prayer is that when we pray, what it does is it opens our eyes to the reality of who God is and what God can do and what God has done. When we don't pray, we close our eyes to that reality. When we're not seeking God through prayer, we're close to the possibility that God can do the impossible. I mean, again, go back to that memory verse. What seems impossible with man is possible with God. And it's through prayer that we see that reality become true in our life. So are we praying? Are we seeking him through prayer? Are we responding to him in prayer? James 5.16, this is the next memory verse, and so I encourage you to, to write it down. James 5.16 says, The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. This is the English Standard Version, so you may have learned it in NIV or KJV or whatever. If you don't know what those JVs are, just look them up. I don't care what necessarily version you re memorize it in, but memorize that. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. Can I just tell you the emphasis of this verse is not the righteous person. The emphasis of this verse is, and really what's assumed here, is that they're seeking after the greatest righteous person, that's Jesus, who has the power to actually make your prayer powerful and effective, that it does something. God is the one that does that. Not, not you, not, not me. Yes, we go to him in prayer, but it's not our prayer. It's not us somehow making something happen. It's God. And so what do we do? We pray. We seek his face. See, sometimes I think what the problem is with prayer is that this whole thing of you only have to be silent. I, I, I don't know about you, but I don't like to wait on things. Like I, like, I don't like to wait in lines. Anybody here just love waiting in lines? You just really enjoy it? It's like, oh, this is so great. I'm in an hour and a half line to ride this ride. Why? It's going to last 30 seconds. This is stupid. Um, no, we, we do not like to wait. I mean, fast food restaurants are figuring this out, right? They've got mobile ordering now. They, they've got go through the drive-thru. Like, why would you go through the drive-thru anymore? You can mobile order it. You can walk in, get it, walk out, and you're done. You don't have to worry about a line. 
oh, I'm, too, I'm just too lazy to walk in. Too bad. Anyway, sorry, digressing. We don't like to wait. And then when we wait, I don't know about you, have you ever waited in a long line only to get the wrong food? Y'all know what I'm talking about? Or you ride a ride and it's like, ooh, that was not, that, I cannot believe I just waited two hours in line for that thing. That was terrible. I, I think we do the same thing with God. We wait and then God doesn't answer the way that we wanted him to. And then we're upset. And then we're frustrated. And then, and then we're, we, we, we start to make assumptions and we get impatient and we start to lean on ourselves instead of looking and saying, wait, wait, what is it that God is trying to teach me even through this waiting process? What is it that God is trying to teach me through him saying no? What is it that, that, that God's trying to teach me through answering in a way that I didn't ask for? seen that in your own life? I know I have. I shared this first service. I'll share it again in this service. My brother, many of you uh, are, know about my brother. Many of you may not, but um, my brother Nathan, who my son is named after, um, in 1993 uh, passed away from a nine-year fight with leukemia. And uh, it was on Christmas Eve 1993 that he died. And uh, he got diagnosed when he was nine, um, passed away when he was 18. And we prayed for many, many years that God would heal my brother on this side of earth. And I got to tell you, seven years of that nine years, if, if, if he had died in any of those seven years, I don't know that I'd be standing here, honestly. Because I didn't, I didn't care about what God, about really about what God wanted. I didn't care about what God was going to do in my life, none of that stuff. It was in those last two years that God finally got a hold of my attention. And, and I began to, like my parents, pray with them that God would heal. And I just remember, I remember at, um, I, I, don't, I can't remember if it was the visitation or the funeral or whatever, but God just brought over my, over my heart and over my, just my soul a peace that he actually did answer my prayer, that he actually did answer our prayer as a family. Because the second my brother closed his eyes here in this life, he opened them in the presence of the Lord, completely healed and whole, and in a whole lot better place than I am right now, even now to this day. And I, can't, and I gotta tell you, I would not have had that perspective in years one through seven of him going through that. But I praise God that he, he changed my perspective. Was it the way that we wanted him to answer our prayer? No. No, it wasn't. But we believed, we believed strongly that God answered our prayer. Listen, I, I, know, I know that's tough. Do I ever want to go through that again? No, I do not ever want to go through that again. Do I, do, is there not a day that doesn't go by where I don't think, still think about him? Man, absolutely. That was 1993 when that happened. And so, yeah, there's, there's all kinds of stuff that still I wrestle with and wonder why and all that kind of stuff. But I keep coming back to, you know what, God is faithful. God is good. And I can, I can tell you, honestly, I would never have had that perspective if it wasn't 
for the fact that God opened my eyes to the reality of who he is. And that only happened as I was willing to seek after him, as he was drawing me to himself. Draw near to him and he will draw, he will draw near to you. The people of God are not at this point willing to see the salvation of God be on display. They're going to, but they're not there yet. Moses challenges them, fear not, stand firm, see the salvation of the Lord. And I love this, verse 14, the Lord will fight for you. You have only to be silent. Again, that's not a passiveness. That's an active faith. That's an active desire to see God work. And I believe that comes as a result of praying in our lives. Psalm 46, verse 10, many of you know it. Be still and know that I am God. Again, that's not a passive being still. That's an active being still. It's an active looking for and knowing that he is God. I don't know how that translates into your life and how you practice prayer, but one of the things many people have asked over the years, how do I pray? Jesus teaches about how you can pray in in Matthew and really in the Gospels. In Matthew 6, he talks about it. Uh, We call it the Lord's Prayer. Um, I, I think oftentimes it should be the disciples' prayer because Jesus is teaching them how to pray. But anyway, um, and one of the things he says in Matthew 6 is to stay away from vain repetition. What, is, what does he mean by that? What he means by that is your prayers, it's not about all the words you say. He, he said, there's these individuals, Pharisees, they stand on the street corners and they pray long, drawn out prayers so that everybody thinks they're spiritual. He's like, it's not about that. And, and, and then he starts talking to them about their heart and praying with their heart and allowing their heart to be on display. I, I, love, I love the story of Amy Carmichael. Amy Carmichael was a missionary in India. And a practice that she had was three-word prayers. You're like, three-word prayers? Is that legit? Sure it is. Because it's from her heart. Again, it's not about how many words you have to say. So Amy Carmichael would, would put into practice this three-word prayer thing. And especially, she says, especially when she would come uh, into proximity of somebody that she really didn't like. Any, y'all have anybody you just don't like? Come on. Come on. You just, there's people you don't like in your life. Let's just be honest. And, and she would do this. She would pray, your love, Lord. Your kindness, Lord. Your patience, Lord. Your compassion, Lord. Your grace, Lord. Your mercy, Lord. Your forgiveness, Lord. And she would pick out an attribute of the Lord, and she would just pray that. Three, three word prayers. That's it. 
There was times where she came across circumstances in her life, difficulties in her life, and she would pray, your power, Lord. Your will, Lord. Your presence, Lord. I don't know what it is that you're facing. I don't know what, what you're going through. I don't know what difficulty that, that is pressing in on you. I don't, I don't know what way Satan is trying to wiggle his way into your life. But prayer is a vital, vital weapon in our fight against our enemy and our ability to count it pure joy when we face trials of many kinds in our life. And so the question that, that I would ask you is this. Is prayer your first response or your last resort? When you think about prayer in your life and the practice of prayer in your life, are you one that, that immediately when something comes up, your first response is, I'm going to the Lord with this? And listen, you don't have to. I'm pleased. Don't, don't think that somehow it's all about I've got I to gotta make sure that my hands are folded, my eyes are closed, my head is bowed, and I'm praying before God. Please don't do that while you're driving. You can pray while you're driving. I do all the time because there's people I don't like when I'm driving, including myself. So don't do that. That's why you're in the middle of a store and, and somebody's coming up that you don't like. You do not got to get down on your knees, fold your hands, and bow your head and close your eyes and pray a prayer before that happens. Okay, that's all I'm saying. It is not about the posture of your body and, and it's not about the words of your mouth. It's about your heart. And am I willing to speak my heart to God? If you want to you see some really amazing prayers, read through the book of Psalm. Prayer after prayer after prayer of David to God. Read the Bible. It's full of prayer. Get into it. Is prayer your first response or your last resort? Again, I, I bring you back to earlier, I, I asked you to ask God to speak to your heart. So here's the question. What is he saying? What, what is he speaking to you about today? What is it that you need to learn? What is it that you need to apply to your life? What practice do you need to do? What is it that God is speaking to you about today? And then would you take it a step further? Would you share it with somebody? Share it with somebody. I love it. After first service, some people were texting me, and, and uh, they were sending me some three-word prayers. And one of them was, your presence, Lord. And uh, it's like, oh, that's sweet. I'm going to write that down. So I wrote it down, and I... And, just good stuff. So share it with somebody. Why, why share it with somebody? Because there's somebody else that needs to hear about the value and the importance and the awesomeness of our God and how you can access that through prayer. And, and so you need to tell somebody about that. Ask God to lead you to share that with somebody. If you need some practice, share it with me. My number's on the wall, and uh, I would love to be able to interact with you about that. Hey, would you close your eyes by your head? We have a young lady that we're going to baptize today. Really excited about that. And the worship team is going to come lead you in one last song. First service, we uh, Ron Pritchard, older gentleman, uh, got baptized. And, and uh, really uh, just cool what God is doing in his life as well. See, that's, that's the thing. God is, 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 he works in young, he works in the older, he works in 
middle age. He wants to work in your life all the time, every day. Working through your life, in your life. Will you let him? What's he saying to you today? Maybe you're here today and you don't know Christ. You don't have a relationship with Jesus. Can I say to you, that's the place you need to start. Start there. Start with a relationship with Christ. You're a sinner in need of a Savior. Your sin has separated you from God. That's not God's desire. God wants to be in relationship with you. The only way that's possible is through Jesus. He paid the penalty for your sin. He died. He rose again and paid that penalty so that you can have life, so that you can have forgiveness of sin. Are you willing to accept it? If you know Christ, you have a relationship with Christ, are you living for him? Are you a someone that is praying, pouring out your heart to God, even if it's just three-word prayers. It's not about the words. It's not about the length of the prayer. It's, it's not about the posture of your body. It's all about your heart. Are you willing to share your heart to God? He wants to hear it. He's told us that over and over throughout his words. So pray. God, thanks for your love. Thank you for your son, Jesus. Thank you for giving us life. Thank you that you continue to give us life through your son. Help us to seek after you. Give you praise in Jesus' name.